Support for this podcast comes from Fetcher. Level up your hiring with Fetcher, the leading full-service recruiting automation software. Fetcher combines search technology with humans in the loop, so you can trust that qualified diverse candidates are landing in your inbox. Source while you sleep and wake up to an inbox of interested candidates. Fetcher minimizes the time you spend on repetitive sourcing and outreach tasks, allowing you to focus on creating a great candidate experience. Schedule your demo today at www.fetcher.ai. That's www.fetcher.ai. And mention the Recruiting Future podcast for an exclusive discount. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 389 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Recruiting automation is finally moving from a theoretical concept to pragmatic reality. A combination of the unique pressures talent acquisition is currently under and some quantum leaps forward in technology means automation is becoming a smart solution for an increasing number of employers. However, I know that this currently throws up more questions than answers for many TA leaders. So over the coming weeks and months, I'll be doing some deep dives into the practicalities of automation with practitioners who have hands-on experience. We've recently had a couple of episodes looking at screening via conversational AI, and in this episode, I want to explore the growing trend towards automated sourcing. My guest this week is Mike Smart, who's a hands-on recruiter and global talent leader at Devo. Devo are having a lot of success using automated sourcing to deal with some tough recruiting challenges, and Mike has some very valuable insights and advice to share. Hi, Mike, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? My name is Mike Smart. I am a recruiting leader, a global recruiting leader. I have uh, been in the recruitment field, talent acquisition field for about 20 years now, and currently lead our recruiting activities for a security analytics company called Devo. We've been talking a lot on the show about the challenges that people are having in uh, recruiting at the moment. Tell us a little bit about the challenges you're seeing in your industry. I think the hardest challenges that we're seeing right now really are just scarcity of talent. I I think there there are real mismatches between what companies want to hire, and what is available in the marketplace today. How is that impacting you as recruiters? I think it makes everything everything that we've just gone through with the pandemic and, and now just absolute um, hyper growth in, 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 in hiring, I think it's given everybody a little bit of whiplash, to be, to be truthful with you, Matt. I think we went from managers who had jobs and and had almost a line of candidates to to consider to now we have managers with many jobs and very few candidates and and managers are always slow to react you know in their opinion they haven't changed so they you know they want to know what has changed so i i I think for us uh in the recruiting field one of the biggest challenges right now is 
is working with the hiring managers to help them understand market dynamics and 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 really what's out there. Absolutely, and I'm sure that's a, a common problem for lots of people who are who are listening. One of the, the the big trends that I've certainly seen over the last year or so is the way that sourcing is changing and technology is 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 really helping that. How has your strategy towards sourcing changed? How are you dealing with the talent shortages that you have in terms of the tactics and the strategies that you're using? It's a great, great um, point, Matt. To be honest, yes, I I think sourcing has changed. Maybe a little bit of a longer answer here, but if you go back to the very beginning, right, you had job sites, monster.com, career builder, you know, even LinkedIn as they kind of came in at the at the back end of, of that kind of generation of technology. And and recruiters spent time crafting a well-worded job description that was going to pop and and attract candidates. And you know, I, I think it worked for for a little bit of time. And then I think it became almost de- derisive where you would have people say, oh, we don't post and pray. You know, we're, we're, we're offensive recruiters. We go out and search for talent. And, and, and look, I will tell you, my teams have, have ridden that, that wave, that trend. We went from posting jobs and, and getting good applicants and putting them through our process to actually going out there and trying to attract talent and, 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 and you know, actually what I would consider farm talent. And the the biggest challenge for us now is it's even harder to do that. So what can you do to to take your sourcing and and flex it even further than than what you're doing? Um, and, and and I would say taking a rather I was trying to search for the word a rather manual process and put a little bit of technology to to automate some of those some of those functions. Talk us through the technology that you're using and what are you what you're seeing coming back in terms of results. Yeah, so so look, I, I don't think I'm any different than any other recruiting professional out there, right? The foundation is LinkedIn, right? That's that's the biggest sandbox. It's where everybody plays and and you're trying to go out there and search for profiles on on LinkedIn. I think the hardest part about that is, as I just said, everybody is on LinkedIn. So how do you stand out? I think by LinkedIn's admission, and I could be giving you a dated stat, but it's the last I recall. It was the last from our renewal. Most in-mails have about a 17% success rate. So, you know, slightly under 20% of your activity is is actually successful, <laughs> which is is pretty bad. So, you know, one of the deltas that we tried to solve for is how can we take our time spent on LinkedIn and make it more valuable? How can we find those people? And, you know, one of the tools that, that we came across was Fetcher, uh, Fetcher.ai. And one of the things that Fetcher has really enabled us to do is take our time spent on LinkedIn and, and really supercharge it. Um, they, they take sourcing and, and they can do it in two different ways. You can do it with an extension where you actually lead the search and then Fetcher uses their proprietary technology to help you find actual email addresses for the candidates. Or you can do the search in conjunction with Fetcher, which is, again, driven by AI, and the algorithm will help pull back candidates. They'll give you an opportunity to review their profiles. And if you think that candidate is a match, 
you can really automate a good amount of sourcing through Fetcher. And do you find that you find candidates that you wouldn't find manually by using automated sourcing? Without a doubt. Uh, again, and, and this is probably a different podcast for a different person, but uh, uh, due to the algorithmic nature, if that's such a term, of LinkedIn, the search results that you pull back or the search results that I pull back will be different. There's going to be a certain amount, uh, if you were to do a Venn diagram, where my search results and your search results are similar, but there certainly are different different mechanisms in LinkedIn that I'm not qualified to, <laughs> to explain that, that will uh, um, mean that different recruiters will see different search results. And I, I will tell you, my first demo with Fetcher, and I was blown away because I had given them, and, and I think they do it on purpose, to be truthful with you, Matt. Um, I had given them one of our run-of-the-mill, you know, kind of technical support, you know, everyday roles. And I was kind of playing along on LinkedIn, and their first five hits were wildly different than my first five hits. And it, it certainly caused my eyes to open because I was like, oh, that, that is real, right? I, I'd always heard the rumor but to, to actually be confronted with it was was very different. And, and I will say, um, to this day, and, and, and we're on our second renewal, second annual renewal with Fetcher. Um, gosh, probably plus thirty thousand profiles reviewed. Um, the the number of candidates that they pull back is is very unique to to the tool. And I suppose that also reflects the way that the internet has has changed. I think if we go back to some of the times that, that you were that you were talking about that I certainly remember as well when um, there were sort of finite job board databases, we almost have an infinite pool of candidates and list of information to to go with really. So I'm guessing that it's kind of inevitable that AI and technology is a part of the solution here. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I, I, there's so many different things that I think stand out, Matt, uh, from just the overall breadth of how people describe what they do. You know, a, a, a little bit ago, you were a software engineer, and that was pretty much your job title, and that encompassed probably 75 or 80% of the people who programmed for a living. Um, I could probably spend the next 20 minutes rattling off titles that software engineers go by. And, you know, when you're searching on LinkedIn, one of the, the searches that you pretty much have to do is a job title search because LinkedIn is different than, you know, the traditional job board. Um, on, on a monster or a career builder, you were posting a full-blown resume, uh, a CV. And on that resume or CV, the recruiter was taught to search for keywords. You really can't pull off a keyword search on LinkedIn and get everything because most people on LinkedIn don't put a full resume. They might only put a very limited profile of what they're doing. And it's usually company and job title. So, you, you really have to think about your, your sourcing strategy. That, that part has really made the recruiter's job much more difficult. I mean, you've really become much more of a Sherlock Holmes than you probably used to have to be. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was sort of really following on from what you said at the beginning about the low kind of level of impact in in terms of emails on LinkedIn and, and, and those kind of things. Obviously, finding people 
is one half of the problem, but the next and perhaps more significant part of the problem is getting those people to respond and engaging with them in a conversation. Is that something that you're also automating and how is that working for you? It is. So it's a great question. And, and it's funny because when I, when I describe Fetcher to people, um, and, and like I just had a recruiter start last week and she had never used it before. So I, I was trying to get the full feature set. This is everything that it does for us. And, and it really wasn't almost until the second hour of training that I brought up, oh, by the way, it also does email sequencing. And at different times, I might describe the email sequencing part as as the key feature. Because look, as a hands-on recruiter myself, I, I certainly manage a, a, a book of recs. Um, a very good recruiter will send a good email, a good introductory message. Hey, Matt, my name is Mike. I saw your profile. I'd like to talk, right? You know, there's usually a call to action, you know, uh, a little bit of an introduction and, and trying to connect with you. As I said, LinkedIn in, in their sales pitch will tell you that about 17% of the time that one email is, is going to be effective. A very good recruiter and Gosh, Matt, I think of myself highly, but I'm not sure I would even fall into that category. But a very good recruiter might do a, a second, a follow-up message. Hey, Matt, I, I was really interested in your profile. Let's talk. Um, I don't think I know of a recruiter that does the third message. And with Fetcher, it, it automates that whole process. So once you send the, the introductory message to the candidate, through the proprietary, you know, uh, tool or the proprietary uh, system that Fetcher has has created, it will send a follow up message and even a third follow up message. It does, admittedly, have the ability to customize and add a fourth step. We haven't gotten there, but really, even after the third step, our response rate is north of eighty percent. Now, it's not eighty percent of people saying, "Hey." You, you convinced me I'm totally interested, but it's 80% of the people who are saying, yes, either I am interested or B, hey, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate your persistence, but I'm not. And, and I know that sounds um, hard because you're like, well, what's the value of that? It actually is valuable. It, it's very valuable to know, hey, take this guy off the list. He is not interested because then at least you know who to focus on. And Fetcher does that all in the background. And, and I will tell you, one of the, the greatest strengths of Fetcher is that you set up the search once. You get your candidate profiles tight. These are the people I want to talk to. And then you can go and move over and you can spend time actually developing a relationship with the candidates that are coming in. So instead of the 15-minute the screen that turns into a 10-minute conversation and five minutes of note-taking, you can actually have a conversation with them and actually do a, a, a true, you know, kind of recruiter introduction and a recruiter screen and make sure you're getting to know the people and, and, and putting valuable, um, you know, insight in, in, into the process. Well, I suppose one of the key things with, with, with automation, sort of particularly automated messaging, while it's brilliant at adding that level of persistency that you just don't have time to do in the, in the current environment, when it's not used properly, it can be seen as, as, as really kind of automated spamming and be incredibly annoying. 
What is it that you do in terms of your messaging to make sure that it resonates and get those great results that you're getting? So, you know, honestly, Matt, and, and there's a very big part of me that agrees with you, that you can read through the robotic text and, and as a human, you can say, hey, this is a, this is a computer, it's a bot that, that's messaging me. And the, the thing about Fetcher is while you can certainly use their programmatic messages, the messages that they've just, you know, used, you're able to customize your, your, your messages. So the first message, well, well, Fetcher will certainly give you a template and say, hey, use this. We find that this, this introduction has great results. You can also write your own. So it's not necessarily a, a bot that, that's driving the messaging. It's your customized message that's going out there. And, and look, I, I've used it quite a bit. <laughs> so I've played with it both ways. The, the messaging that they have, the templates that they use are pretty good. And, and I, I think one of the challenges that I've had, and, and again, I, I find it, I find different people have different opinions. Some people want a very quick, succinct message. And, and, and I think Fetcher does that very well. I, I tend to be a little bit more uh, loquacious and uh, put a little bit more words in my messages. So I, I, I've tried to do the Pepsi challenge. You know, is it, is it my, you know, kind of hand spun message that will work? Or is it, you know, the, the, the stripped down, slimmed down, you know, kind of template version of Fetcher that works better? And, and I would say, I, I think they just appeal to different people. I, I think the real key is the persistence. I cannot tell you how many times I have had a message back from someone who has said, look, I was not interested. I'm happy in my job, but you are the most persistent recruiter I've ever encountered. Let's talk because you must have something really good on your hands. I get that reply back at least three times a week. And, and look, this is a dirty little secret. And I, I almost say it with guilt. I have to go look in Fetcher to see why I'm even emailing that person. <laughs> what, what is this message? <laughs> Who is this person? And, 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 and that's, that's the crazy part of, of what we're doing here. Being able to, to broadcast your message and, and, and get to those people. Because look, uh, in, in that search, there's probably 10, 15 other people who said, you know what, Mike, thank you very much. You are persistent, but I'm not interested. But getting the two or three people that really want to talk and cutting through the clutter and, and spending all of maybe 10 minutes to get to that point, that's incredibly valuable. I think that's really interesting as well, because we don't actually hear that side of the story very often. It's normally the complaints about spamming and uh, automation and destruction of humanity in the recruitment process and all those sort of things. But um, I, I think, you know, that's that's really interesting. That they're the results that, that you're getting. And obviously, that's a fantastic use of technology for you. Obviously, automated sourcing or automation in recruitment in general is something that lots of companies are looking very closely at at the moment. What would your advice be to TA leaders who are considering automating sourcing or automating other parts of the recruiting process? What should they be thinking and bearing in mind? I have seen recruitment automation as, as a concept pitched pretty hard for probably the past six years, maybe a little bit longer than that. And, 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 and to the comment that you had just previously made, 
I, I think there is a certain amount of we're going to replace human activity with with a bot with with automation, and and I don't think that statement could be further from the truth. There, there is no replacing the human recruiter. Recruiting in and of itself is a very visceral activity. People want to feel human touch, but you need to add more tools to your recruiter's toolbox or they're never going to be able to keep up with demand. I I recently read a stat that said a recruiter loses effectiveness once they start managing more than like 10 or 11 recs. And, and, and I had to wonder to myself, where is this magical company where recruiters only work on 10 recs at a time? Uh, you know, I was about to send them my resume. Um, it just it just doesn't work that way. I mean, my average recruiter is probably managing twice that many recs. And, and I have hiring managers who still think that their rec is the most important or the only rec. So, you know, the only way a recruiter can have sanity is if you take a little bit off his or her plate and say, look, we're going to automate this part of the process. So you can actually spend more time doing this. So to, to answer your question directly, Matt, I think the most important thing that we can do is look at automation as a supplement to your recruiter's activities. And then I think the second is trying to find where you can automate something without taking out the human touch. I will admit I'm probably not the first person that you would go to and say, hey, Mike, let's go test this unproven technology. I'm not a very daredevil, you know, risk-taking kind of person. I, I, I tend to be a little bit conservative with my use of technology. But in, in, in looking at a tool that can do some of these things, they're huge value adds. The AI on the sourcing, it's a huge ad, right? It covers people that I'm not going to get to. It doesn't take over the process. I still control it. Do you want to, to start messaging this person? I can review the profile, but it's actually giving me that profile. So running the search has been taken off my desk. The do you want to contact them is still in my control. As we just discussed, the messaging, it can be my words, but instead of having to launch individual messages and somehow be a master of your calendar to remember exactly when and how to uh, to add those people um, is, is, is taken out of your hands. So like I said, I, I don't think you can look at, at different steps and say, look, we're going to eliminate them or we're going to turn this off to automation or turn this over to automation rather. I think you look at it as, where can I supplement what my recruiter's already doing? As a final question, I think really follows on from some of the things you were saying there. What does the future look like? What do you think recruiting is going to look like in, in sort of two or three years' time? Oh, wow, man. Um, I think there's more of this. I, I think there'll be more steps. I, I think video interviewing with Zoom, Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, I think that has replaced the phone interview. I would argue it's it's probably going to, if it has not already, totally supplanted the in-person interview. So I, I think you'll see more automation and and um, innovation when it comes to to what a video interview can do. We're already seeing that. Um, there's a couple of really exciting products out there that that have started to build off of you know, gosh, it sounds 
funny because it's a it's a new technology in and of itself, but it already started to disrupt video technology or video interviewing technology. I, I have to I have to and maybe this is more of a hope than a, a prediction, <laughs> Matt. I have to think that LinkedIn, um, if you look at the the time that Monster accrued with their hot jobs spent in the sun, um, I have to think LinkedIn is probably you know, got a shorter horizon themselves. There, there'll be something that disrupts that. I, I, I don't go a week without talking to another recruiter who doesn't complain about, you know, the inflexibility of, of something about LinkedIn. So I, I would think that there'd be some change there. Um, for a long time, I was told, oh my gosh, wait until you can recruit off of Facebook or, or some of the other social media. And that, that never really materialized. So I think there's there's some room for disruption there. Mike. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. My thanks to Mike Smart. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.